welcome to another Wealth Wednesday. This is the recording from July 13th, 2022. This week, Clint, Tom, and I discuss success mindset, success mindset 101, if you will. We were missing Steven this week. Again, he's on vacation and we were wishing him the best, although we did miss him, of course. So we discuss the daily actions and thoughts that have contributed to our success over time. We defined what success means to us, and we offered a lot of actionable advice and tips for how to be successful. We had a bunch of speakers come on, talk about what success means to them. They gave their own tips, and we also answered some questions. This is probably one of my favorite spaces we've done. Of course, it's always amazing to see Clint Murphy in his element, which of course he is, and I really think you're going to enjoy it. All right. So it is just after nine o'clock Eastern. Happy Wealth Wednesday, everyone. We will be going for about 90 minutes as we do every week. This is going to be recorded and posted on the Adulting is Easy podcast feed in a couple of days. I am Lauren. I'm at Adulting is Easy. I am in the Tampa Bay area. I am primarily a real estate investor, although I do have some stocks and things like that in my retirement portfolio. And I am, again, at Adulting is Easy. Takes a couple days to get this, but if you have to jump off at any point, you can come back to the recording. And I do uh, edit it and jazz us up a little bit so we sound a little better on the recording. Let's see. Clint, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, everybody. I am Clint. By day, I'm CFO for a real estate development company. In the evenings, I host a podcast, The Pursuit of Learning. Uh, Last I checked, we were the number six self-improvement podcast in Uganda. So uh, killing it on chartables, very happy with that. And uh, not so great in the uh, two countries that I focus on, but getting better. And I write mostly on Twitter, but also a fantasy novel series with my sister and, and do some nonfiction. And then I invest in real estate. One of the number one areas I focus on and why I get so excited when we have this topic is mindset, mindset, mental models, uh, how we can all be better every single day, personally, professionally, and financially. So with that, I'll pass it over to you, Tom. Hello, my name is Tom Brickman. I run thefrugalgay.com. I am a real estate investor based in Dallas, Texas. I also invest in Toledo, Ohio. I own 19 doors. I left my nine to five earlier this year to do real estate full-time and the frugal gay. And I also own a resale business called Cheap Cheap Closeout and I flip merchandise on, on eBay and Amazon. I will flip it right back over to you, Lauren. Awesome. Can I throw something in before we get moving? Absolutely. All right. Uh, So tonight we're going to share some of our thoughts on mindset and what it takes to succeed in your career, what it takes to succeed from a wealth perspective. And we're also going to have conversation with the people in the audience. It's always uh, better when we're having those conversations if we're able to have more people so that we can get more questions because the more we hear from you, the more we can answer, the more, the more we can all learn and grow together. So please uh, mash that uh, button to send out the room and let other people know you're in here and let's have great conversation over the next 90 minutes so we can all grow together. Back to you, Lauren. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Clint, I think since this is probably your most passionate subject, I think that you should probably actually kick us off. Sure. And what I'll do is I'm, I'm going to put the ball right back in yours and Tom's court. And what I want to do, and, and Jay, even if you want to come up and, and share as well, is when we think of success, First of all, I'd, I'd love to get both of you to define, you know, what does success look like to you? And then what I'd love to dive in to, because I appreciate it for those who are listening, is always when we can give actionable advice. And so for each of you, what are the top two to three things that you think of when you think about mindset and when you think about success? You know, right off the bat, I'll, I'll steal one that probably all three of us have is you're going to say uh, personal responsibility or radical responsibility, right? Owning your shit. So I think all of us think that's a huge part of a success mindset. Uh, what are your top two to three and how did those manifest in your life and how have they helped you be successful based on your definition of success? And that in itself for all of the people that are listening is a super important concept when we talk success is you define your own success. I don't define what success looks like for you. Lauren doesn't define it for me. I might listen to Lauren's definition of success and say, Hey, I like that. I'm going to incorporate that into my success mindset or my success formula, but we are all going to have our own definition of success. So that's the first thing I'd love everybody to take away. And without further ado, Lauren, what is your definition of success and uh, two to three mindsets that tie to that and how you integrate them in your life? Yeah, I think success for me is meeting goals, succeeding at goals. And when I was younger, that was getting A's on exams or something, right? That was a very tangible thing. And I've always had the mindset like I did way back when that, I was just going to leave kind of as many doors open as possible so that as I grew up and entered the adult world and things like that, that I would um, be able to kind of go whatever direction I wanted. Of course, I didn't know for the longest time that my passion was going to lie around financial independence and investing in real estate and, and things like that. But I think success is meeting goals. And so obviously, therefore, you have to have goals. So my actionable advice is set your goals be consistent, right? I like to have kind of a big goal. So my big goal is going to be financial independence, right? Which which I'm at, but I'm financial independence, but also the retiring early portion of FIRE, right? That's kind of my big goal. And then there's other steps along the way that are primarily related to investing milestones and cash flow milestones and things that I need to do to get there. So that would be if I want to say have my monthly expenses paid for by my real estate, and my uh, bigger expenses, maybe it's vacations, maybe it's cars, things like that paid for by my stocks in the future. What do what does that look like? How much is that? And how do I take steps in that direction? And that's why the last couple of years, my husband and I have broken that up and do, all right, we're going to house hack. We're going to do a cash out refi. We're going to buy a property. We're going to have some short-term rentals and some long-term rentals. So that's kind of how we've broken up those goals. And we just kind of are hitting milestones along the way. The most important thing, and I think something that 
anybody can do. It doesn't really matter literally how smart you are or anything is just be consistent and consistency. And that's where I really thrive. If I say like, I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to do it every other week or I'm going to do it every week, like I'm going to do that for years and years and years, right? It's just, that's just how it's going to be. And that's something that I'm good at. You have to be consistent on Twitter, right? Anybody that's had any success with a Twitter account, you know, you've got to be consistent in your posting and your sharing and things like that. I also want to add though, you can't be concrete in your goals and your milestones and your consistency. Another part of a success mindset and an actionable thing that you should be doing is constant, like constantly analyzing and evaluating where you are and are those goals that you set and those milestones that you set two, three years ago, five years ago, even last month, whatever it is, are those still valid goals? And are you still, are you still on track? Perhaps I, my financial independence retire early goal is 35 and I'm 32 right now. Well, maybe next year, my husband and I decide, you know what, we actually want to have a kid, right? That would change things. But so there's also part of the success mindset, a little bit is knowing yourself, knowing your goals, being able to analyze, and then also being somewhat flexible in those as well. How was that, Clint? How'd I do? Good, and and, and we're gonna we're gonna dive into some of them. So when you're when you're setting your big goals and you're setting your small goals, and you know I loved something you said. It reminds me of Adam Creek had this idea of cluster goals, where when he sets goals, he sets a big one, but there's a lot of uh, smaller what he calls cluster goals underneath, so that even if he misses the big one, he achieves a bunch of goals along the way. So when you're doing that, how are you, how are you setting that big goal? You know, are you, or is it a smart goal and what's the process for going through it? And how do you pick the small goals that are steps along the way on your journey, Lauren? Yeah, there's certainly going to be some level of the goal being specific, specific, measurable, attainable, results-oriented, and time-banded. Is that what SMART is? off the top of my head. Okay. Something like that or very, very close to that. And there's probably different versions of it um, depending what you're reading, but yeah, definitely it's, I really, and I'm a big fan of realistic goals and that's something that is really good about what you said about cluster goals is it makes the, even that big, you know, big, hairy, audacious goal or whatever you want to call it, your big goal that you're reaching for. Those cluster goals actually, to me, make that more attainable. Was it Bill Gates who said you can accomplish less than you think in a year, but way more than you think you can accomplish in 10 years or something like that. If you break things down, you kind of also can be building momentum along the way. Um, so yeah, definitely going to be setting goals that are that are realistic. And that's where the reevaluating comes in too, where, you know, something that, it, it, let's say my goal, like I said, is financial independence and retiring early. And let's say I want to spend $100,000 a year and I want to get 50,000 from real estate and 50,000 from stocks. Well, if my stock portfolio takes a 20 something percent dump, that ch may change certain timelines that I might have, right? Maybe, maybe not. But, um, you know, so there's things like that where that's where the evaluate evaluating always comes in. <clears throat> I think it, it, I was trying to find the quote. I think it might be along the lines of people underestimate what they Sorry, people overestimate what they can do in a year and dramatically underestimate what they can do in a day. The, and, and that really ties into exponential thinking, which I think you and I are a big believer in. And we're going to get there when we get to consistency. 
So before we get to consistency, you set goals. How often does Lauren sit down and look at the goals she set? Are they written down somewhere? Are they typed up? Do you have them on a poster board on your wall? How long are you looking at your, how often are you looking at your goals? And what are you doing to make sure you hit them, Lauren? Yeah, so I focus definitely on the consistency. So one of my goals this year was to get ads on my podcast. And something that I did with that is I just started kind of telling people, I want ads on my podcast. And that's actually how I ended up getting my first like set of ads sold. Well, somebody's like, hey, you said that was one of your goals. I can help you with that. I, I want to I wanna sponsor the podcast. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Right? So some of my goals are so focused on things like I am going to join a space every Wednesday night, right? I'm going to help host a space. I'm going to edit that space. And I'm going to post that space every single every single week. So a lot of my goals are going to be really, really consistent based. And then the results will kind of flow from there. Um, can, I, can I say I want certain goals of listenership and things like that? Absolutely. I'm always looking at that. But what I can control is going to be putting out episodes, right? Putting out my interviews every single week, putting out these spaces every single week, putting out tweets, getting the word out that I have this Adulting is Easy podcast, right? Um, but in terms of like how I document goals, I do write them down. Um, I also have like a file on my computer, but that's like going to be updated a lot less frequently. Um, so I'll sort of do this kind of, it's almost like journaling. It's almost like back of the napkin, doctor handwriting journaling, where I'll kind of just dot, jot some stuff down. And I do that about once a quarter, just thinking about, all right, what did I want to accomplish this year? Where am I at? How am I tracking? And is that related? Is that, you know, something that's going to be consistent for the rest of for the rest of uh, my, my goals. And I've been very focused on financial goals the last two years. And it's actually something that like me and my husband and my family have been talking about a little more is let's get some goals. Let's have some more well-rounded goals, right? I also have goals for like reading books and things like that. And I'm finally, I'm finally reading Feeling Good, the new mood therapy, Clint. You've been telling me about it for a year and I finally got to it. So I have, I have reading goals and things like that, but some more specific growth goals, right? Um, one of the things I wanted to do was this year, I'll go to FinCon. So I'm going to do that. I've been doing the Florida Podcasters Association. So a lot of my goals, a lot of my scorecard with myself is, am I doing the consistent things month after month and week after week that are going to kind of pile on top of each other and just kind of naturally lead to growth? So Lauren, it's probably not going to surprise you to hear that I think you and I handle goals the same way. And it sounds like what you do is you create that goal, right? You may have it on a spreadsheet. You may have it written down. And, but what you do is you break it. And some of these goals for you, like me, they, they, they're multi-year. But what you do is you break it all the way down to what daily habit or weekly habit do I need to have in, so that over time it will stack up enough that I'm going to hit this big goal. And that way you don't have to look at the sheet every week. You just do that daily habit in a, in every two months, three months, you look at your sheet and you say, Oh yeah, I'm actually on track for exactly where I want to be. Does that sound about right? Yes. And I actually on Thursdays or Fridays, depending on, you know, how my week is going, I make a to-do list for the following week too. And that's where those things are going to be like, let's see this one for this week. It's got, I need to post an episode on Tuesday, right? Prepare for the space and then have the space and then edit the space that gets three spots. 
Um, I recorded an episode earlier. I had a coaching session with Tom today. I had another coaching session on Monday. So these are all things that are kind of on my list for the week. And these are the things that are the tactical things that I need to do. There's also some stuff on here for the vacation business. And I need to, it looks like I need to notify my tenants that we're going to do some maintenance next week, right? But so that's what I do every Thursday or Friday is where I do write down the tactical things that I need to do next week. And I normally... They're so realistic that I can get them done by Thursday. I normally don't pack it in so that I have to, you know, Monday through Friday be working on a bunch of things. Love that. Thank you. And, then, and the last thing I want to tackle with you before we dive over to Tom and get some of his uh, takes on success and mindset is consistency. So you sound like an absolute machine, right? Banging things off week in, week out, killing the list. How do you maintain consistency on so many different things over such long time periods? Yeah, it's a good question. And the simple answer is uh, time management, but that could mean a ton of different things. But it's it's definitely it's also going to be realistic, just super realistic goals really helps. Because I think sometimes let's say you have let's say my to do list instead of having like five or six things, seven things on it, like it does, let's say I had 15 things on it, right. And that would seem overwhelming. And then I would only maybe if I bust my butt, I'll get 10 of them done. But that feels like a failure. So I'm going to have a to-do list of seven things. And then I have another list that's like for the future, things that don't need to be done this week, right? But there are some things where um, I just, I won't shut down my computer for the weekend until I edit our space. Maybe I edit this space Friday afternoon. I just won't, I won't do it. I won't go to bed until it's done, right? So there's some things where it, it just, it it just has to happen. I'm I'm doing better at automating too, making sure that, um, I'm just really organized about who, I'm, when I'm recording with people, when those need to be posted, um, things like that. And I also have bigger goals, like create a YouTube channel by the end of the year. That's a very reasonable goal. I've started working on it today, right? So there's some things where it's just it's just being super realistic with things, and then also you just sometimes you just you just don't go to bed until it's done, you know. I love that. Uh, Tom, we're going to pass it over to you. What does success look like to you? And what are some mindset concepts that you want to get across to people as it relates to success? And before you dive in, I'm going to just do another plug and say, hey, we've uh, Lauren's shared some great stuff on success. Uh, after Tom goes, I'll share a couple of little nuggets, and then we will start getting people up here to fire uh, questions and or share their ideas on success and mindset. So please, at that point, we want to have some great conversation with a lot of people. Uh, so press the share button, let people know you're in here, and let's grow the room and have a great conversation together. Tom, over to you. So for me, success is not a dollar amount. Success is having ownership of my time and in January of this year, I was able to leave my traditional nine to five. And now I fill my calendar with things that are important to me. And today we took my grandma and got a manicure and a pedicure. And that was on my calendar. And that's what was important to me today. So being able to control my time and enjoy a holiday or a weekend or a getaway with family 
is is where I label success, and that's what I worked towards for ten years, pursuing financial independence because I knew owning my time and owning nineteen rentals would give me the ability and the flexibility to be able to go to Oklahoma for the weekend or go down to Mexico for four days. And these are things with a traditional nine to five I was never able to do. So owning my time and filling my calendar with things that are important to me is is my definition of success. I love that, Tom. And, you know, we, we talk about it a lot is that money is not the goal. Money is the tool and the goal is freedom. Right, time freedom, freedom of work, location, etc. So I love you sharing that. Now, what are two or three of the key things from a mindset perspective that have allowed you to achieve the success you have in your life? And it's one of the dilemmas of going second. You're not allowed to steal from uh, Lauren even though you're probably going to like goals and consistency, you have to come up with some other ones yourself, my friend. Okay. So from a mindset, I have the ability to turn trash into treasure. And that's been something that I have done since I was in college. And it started with buying purses and being able to flip them into paying for college and paying tuition for, for school as I went. Um, I did it with houses again. So I just had that mindset that, yes, this is a discarded item that nobody wants. And this is a ugly house that's hoarded up to the ceiling. And this is a, a house that looks awful from the outside. But then I take that house or I take that item and flip it on eBay. And I take that house and I spend six months stripping it, cleaning it, revamping it, reworking it, and putting all my efforts and energy into it and I can make it the nicest house on the street. And I've just always had that mindset going into any of these, even when I, I was starting out and I was buying ugly condos that just none of the other investors wanted. I'm just like, well, you know what? I've got an ugly condo, but I'm going to make it the best ugly condo in the complex. And and then it just turned into houses. Then it turned into commercial spaces. Then you know, So that's always been my mindset is this is worthless to someone, but I can do something with it and I can turn it into something great. And looking at something, you know, a lot of people will discredit, you know, you have this ugly house, you have this discarded, ugly, dated item. And I've been able to turn that into a freedom of my time by, by reworking those or picturing it and putting it up on, on eBay or picturing it and renting it out or finding ways to monetize something that nobody else wants. And where do you think that came from, Tom? If you have to look back in time and say, hey, the point at which I started finding treasure where other people see trash, what is it that allows you to do that where I may look at that crack house and say, holy crow, that thing should be torn down. You look at it and say, that's my next rental property. Where did that come from? So that was a, a very early mindset, and I'm talking grade school. Um, the frugal gay was was a name that has been with me, maybe not the gay part until after high school. But um, early on, like m my first job when I was 16, I got a job at The Gap because I wanted to have nice clothes and go to school and look good, and I didn't want to have to pay the 
gap prices at the time. So that was my discount and that was my way of, you know, I can dress nicely and get voted most stylish in my class and I can get a discount and I can save for my first house while I'm doing it. So I just, you know, I, I was raised on a budget. I knew what the word budget was in, in grade school. Um, I knew that there were weeks that we had $45 for groceries for a family of five. And um, I just, you know, I knew then that if I wanted it, I could save for it. And I could, you know, I didn't have money for a $50 pair of jeans at the Gap. But I had money for, if I worked 10 hours at the Gap, I could buy those jeans at half off. And, and they're going to be just as nice as the $50 jeans that my friends are wearing. Okay, so, so frugality was something you learned early. But what about the other side of it, that ability to have an eye to break something down and see the pluses instead of the minuses? I think it just, it came early as well with the frugality. I mean, I remember doing yard sales for people in the neighborhood. I remember mowing lawns. I re just remember, you know, if I want it, I'm going to have to work for it. and I'm going to have to figure out a way and someone might not want this, but I can turn it into some money or I want it or I can make it nice or I can clean it up and spend some time doing it. So it was just kind of that if I want it, I'm going to need to figure out a way and um, it may not be come as quickly as I want it or be as fancy as I want it or as nice as I want it, but this is what works for me and this is what's going to get me to my end goal of owning my time. It sounds, Tom, almost like it came out of necessity, right? It, early on, it was, well, that's all I can afford is, is what, other, what someone else may not value. I can afford it and I'm willing to work hard to make it better. Does that sound reasonable? It does, but I hate saying that because we were never, like we never went to bed hungry or anything like that. My father was a police officer, so we were raised in a modest family. But I went to a, a private high school and the kids had a lot of money and drove BMWs. And it was not a place that I was comfortable at because I was definitely not handed a car when I turned 16 and I definitely did not drive a BMW, but I wanted to, um, I wanted to fit in. So, and Lauren's laughing because she definitely drove a BMW, but, um, it wasn't a necessity as far as I need to do this or I'm not going to have food on the table, but it was a necessity as far as I had to get creative to get to where I wanted to be. And that, and that yeah. was my whole journey, uh, with financial independence from from building this rental portfolio up to the 19 doors that it is, is I knew that I did not want to continue working for another company. I knew when I left my company, when I left it in January, I'm not going to go work for someone else. I'm going to build up something that I can work for myself, own my time. I can have the holidays off. It, it was nice when I my my grandma just lost her grand or her husband uh, last week. My grandpa passed away, and that's why I'm up in Ohio. And it was nice today that I can sit across from her, and she's stressing over she's going to have to move, and she doesn't know if she can afford the house. And I'm like, Grandma, first of all, we don't need to worry about that right now. But secondly, if it really came down to it, we could do like a, a owner finance where I could purchase the house from you and you could rent it back for me and stay in here for as long as you need to. And being in that position where I can offer that to my grandmother or offer it to my parents where they don't have to continue to work about it, it's something that I just 
I wanted to be in that position and I continued to work till I could get in that position and selling off this property that I, I sold off a property uh, at the end or the beginning of June put me in a position where if I need to, I could buy my grandma's house and she could stay in it for as long as she needs to. And that was always the goal. So owning my time, having control over what's important to me and what's not, um, that's, that's where I'm at. And, and the frugal gay is kind of a, a bonus in there because there's so many other people that discredit themselves and kind of look beyond that. And I want them to see that they can do this too. You can, you know, you do not have to live paycheck to paycheck. And there's so much financial literacy that I try and share with people and ways to get creative. And I know I'm off topic, Clint, so I'll turn it back over. Sorry. No, it's okay. I mean, that might be one of your mindsets is, is the, that what you just said right there. So let's explore that right, is so many people take life as it comes and they live by default instead of living by design. And you and Lauren, and I think I do as well, we live our life by design we have a goal of where we're going to be. We have short-term, mid-term, long-term goals and plans, and we live to those, right? Whether it's our listenership, whether it's with your coaching, whether it's the podcast, the writing, it's here's what I'm going to do because I design my own life. And when you're talking to these people, you're trying to help them design their own life. Does that sound accurate, Tom, and do you want to explore that a little? Yeah, a hundred percent. And one of my favorite coaching clients I worked with for a year, and they're not really even a client at this point because we worked together for a year. They purchased their first home, and the, right now they're in a spot. They purchased it at a really good price, and they're about to get a, a HELOC so they can actually buy something else with it. And uh, she just made a comment to me, and she's like, "Never in a million years did I think I could use the equity in this house that I didn't even think I could afford." to buy another property and have someone paying me rent. And that's just amazing that her at 33 with five kids is in a spot where she's debt free besides her house. And, and she has the ability to buy another property because of working down her credit. And she was just in this mindset that she could never do that in her life because that's how she was raised. She was raised to live paycheck to paycheck. So I worked with her for a year and we, we got all the debt gone. We got all the cars paid off and, and we bought this house and it's just put her in a whole different league. And that's, that's what I get excited about is that I've been able to break her mindset and get her to where she is in a spot where she's going to purchase a second property with equity from her first property. Uh, and, and, and two years ago, if you asked her this about this, she would have said, this is impossible. That's not for me. And I, I couldn't do that. I love that, Tom. Thank you for sharing that. The So at this stage, we've thrown out a lot of beauties. Uh, we have setting goals, being consistent, living by design, radical responsibility, learning to turn trash into treasure, all things that you can think about as you pursue success. Lauren described for her success as achieving her goals. Tom described success for him as achieving freedom, freedom of his time, financial freedom, 
to make the decision to go on a vacation over a weekend to Mexico or to buy his grandmother's house and have her able to rent that back for the rest of her life. And so I'll, I'll share my definition of success and, and a couple things I think are important for all of you to incorporate on your own journeys of success. We also shared that we all define our own journey of success. No one defines your success for you, but you. And so as I dive into these, and then in a few minutes, we'll open up the room. Please share, let people know where you are, and that we will be having uh, open mic for people to come up and talk so that we can all learn and grow together. And so that for me right there, what I said, oh, first I'll say what success is for me. So success for me is quite consistent with what Tom shared. And I know that I said we're not allowed to share each other's definitions of how to get there with mindset, but we can have similar definitions of success. And so if I open up my personal goal setting, for me, the purpose of my life and what I want and what I want to achieve comes down to freedom. And it's, it's a pretty broad definition, but what I say is uh, I want to be able to wake up and do what I love every day when I want to and where I want to. So total personal and professional freedom. And want, while doing that, I want to help as many humans as possible achieve goals at, the, at their highest level. So I, I will feel successful when I've done that. And that's the life I'm living. So what are some important things for me on how to get there? So I would say uh, I'll fire two, maybe three at you. Everything Tom and Lauren said is definitely on the list. So using all of that as a base, the next biggest one is for sure learning. And so I think the more we learn and we grow, the more capable we are of achieving at the highest level and reaching goals that we never thought we could. So when Lauren talked about consistency and she talked about uh, Bill Gates' quote of overestimating what we can do in a year and dramatically underestimating what we can do in 10, part of that is because of consistency and exponentiality. If I always say, you, you, if you put this in quotes and search it in Twitter, it goes slow until it goes fast. I, might, I must say that 10 times a week. And that's because everything we do in life, if we're consistent, the results seem small until you hit the exponential part of the curve. And then, and then we grow uh, beyond our wildest dreams, whether it's writing, whether it's Twitter, whether it's your podcast, the, this weekend, I added more followers than I have in any other month. And that is, you know, some will say it was lucky. And up in the nest, I have, yeah, people tell me I'm lucky all the time in my life. And they ignore all the tweets in that thread. And so one of the tweets a young woman took exception with, it, she she felt like she resonated with the thread, but for one tweet. And what I say in that tweet is, you know, white collar job with a blue collar work ethic. And, and so that to me has always been a core part of what drives me. 
and so the consistency but at the end of the day the bottom line desire to never be outworked is beyond compare and Sawhill Bloom had this in one of his recent newsletters you know a lot of people say you don't need to work hard you can work smart and yeah I think I I align with his view you can work smart and get to the top 10% in a number of areas but if you want to be in the top 1% of anything or even the top 0.01% you can't only work smart and you can't only work hard you have to work smart and you have to work harder than anyone else. The, in, in there, there's an F bomb on this one because there was when I heard it, but a, the age old saying that hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. A friend said that one of his coaches once said to him, but if talent works hard, you're fucked. And that to me absolutely embodies it work smart work hard be consistent and you'll achieve anything that you want in life especially if you're learning as you go and then and then the last thing i'd say and i think lauren and tom every time we talk you guys appreciate this one as well is just have an abundant mindset tom lauren and i we're up here talking with all of you we're doing this because we enjoy it. We're doing this because we want to see you grow. We want to see everyone else achieve success. And that's a mindset where I know that you achieving success has no impact on me. If Lauren buys two new doors, it has no impact on whether I buy a door. If Tom gets to 30, it has no impact on whether I get to 10, right? So wishing the best for other people and helping them and extending yourself and I, I think it's one of the most beautiful ways we can grow and achieve and succeed in life. And so I'd, I'd love to see everybody adopt an abundant mindset. So Lauren, Tom, we've all had a chance to define success for ourselves. We've had a chance to share some of our views on how to get there. My thoughts were that we would now open it up to the floor. We've got about 45 minutes left in the call and have people share their views on success, have people ask us questions, uh, share some concepts on mindsets that they think help them achieve success and just really get more more people in the room and have a conversation. How does that sound to you too? Sounds great to me. And while we're waiting on those speaking requests, or you can definitely send questions via DM as well at adulting is easy. I wanted you, if you could, Clint, elaborate on the importance of learning as it relates to the success and this learning mindset. And what should people do if they want to quote unquote learn? So it's a great question. So depending on what you want, right? Depending on what your definition of success is, I think what you're looking for is who has achieved what you want, right? So Lauren, you set goals. I set goals. And I write this all the time. And I, I, I realize I think I got it from Ray Dalio, although I simplified his version the way to achieve anything you want in life, step one, know what you want. Step two, understand what it takes. Step three, do the work day in, day out. So Lauren, that basically encapsulates uh, pretty much all the success ideas and mindsets that you, Tom, and I shared, right? So set your goals, understand how to achieve them, and then do the work every day, be consistent. And so in the understand how to achieve them, you're going to look for people who have achieved what you want. 
right? So Matt's in martial arts. Matt may say, well, I want to get my eighth degree black belt in my martial arts. Well, who, who has done that already? And you're going to reach out. You know, you may say, well, first, I'm not going to reach out to the eighth. I'm going to reach out to the seventh or the sixth or the fifth. Or maybe you'll go straight to the eighth. And you'll find out what they did to achieve it. What was their timeline? What was their practice like? Who did they mentor under? And if you can't get the person themselves, often there's books, there's reading, right? So there's other paths to gain that knowledge. For most things we want, there's Wikipedia. And to the extent that there's no one who's achieved exactly what you want, right? Let's say you have a novel idea and you want to launch a business and no one has ever done what you Well, at a minimum, there's other people who have had novel ideas, who have had businesses they wanted to start that no one else had done. Reach out to them. Learn what they did, right? So I think there's always a path to learn from the people ahead of you. Identify the gaps in your knowledge and then try to close those gaps. And so we are open mic, everyone. So if you want to come up, request the mic. We'll bring you up. Lauren or I will DM any one of us. We'll, uh, we'll get your questions up here. What, whatever, whatever you want to ask us or whatever your definition of success is, and if you have advice for people on how to achieve it, feel free to come on up. Uh, Lauren, did that help answer your question? And the other thing, sorry, is just read. Read always right? Always be reading in it. It doesn't have to be nonfiction. It can be fiction because that improves our EQ. So uh, that would be my ideas on learning. Yeah, absolutely. And I love having mentors too. And that's kind of like what you're saying, find people who have what you want, right? And then those people become your mentors, right? Which I consider both of you to be mentors of mine, for sure. I've grown a lot since I've met both of you. And then, um, you know, I ask, I definitely throw questions at you guys all the time. And I get really tactical too, with you, especially Clint, where I'm like, what should I read, right? Like, so you can get advice from people around you. And I think probably my favorite thing in the world is when I recommend a book to somebody and they actually read it. I recommend books to people all the time. And when they tell me they actually read it and a couple tidbits that they got, it's it's one of my favorite things. Probably number two to getting a book from somebody that wrote it for free. That's probably my number one favorite thing. All right, we have a speaking request from Matt. Hi, Matt. And and Lauren, I think Tom and I both feel the same way about about, uh, each other as well. So we all learn together, which is one of the greatest parts about our Wealth Wednesday crew. Yeah, Clint, long time no see. Great to be here today, and thanks for hosting the space. And it's good hearing your voice and hearing some of the thoughts. The one thing that I was thinking about that um, um, I just, you know, I, I guess I'm in like a learning mindset right now and kind of curious to hear a little bit, whoever wants to chime in on this, but one thing I'm constantly trying to do in my life is because I definitely agree with everything you said and um, the idea of just knowing what you want and then knowing what it takes and then, you know, just doing the work to get there. And the one thing that I guess is a privileged position to be in is there's so many things I want to do. Right. And so I constantly find myself like having to like scale back on like all the things I want to do because, you know, I want to, you know, I'm in the middle of writing this book, but then I also have these daily writing posts that I want to do, but I also want to do threads, but then I also want to do, you know, thinking about doing a podcast, and then I also have work and that you, you get what I'm trying to say, there's just a lot of things I really enjoy doing right now. And so I would just be curious, um, 
you know, if you guys would be interested in commenting on, you know, I guess what a day in the life looks like, how you, how you guys balance out, you know, the learning with the hustling, with the family time, you know, with the meditating, you know, with whatever, and just, it doesn't have to be like super specific, but I guess some thoughts on, you know, keeping everything balanced and maybe how you guys go about doing that. Because as I continue, uh, you know, taking on more challenges or, or as I continue growing in life, I guess I'm trying to find more space because one, one concept, I guess I want to bring to the conversation is this idea that the new success is like the empty calendar, right? The ability to have the freedom to do what you want, when you want, and, you know, doing the work that you want to do and, and things like this. And so I guess I'd just be curious to hear what your thoughts are on that and what your thoughts are on keeping everything balanced or how you keep everything balanced. And um, I guess I'll leave it there. So hope that makes sense. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let Lauren go first. And oh, Tom, if you want to jump in, because I think you, you, you are definitely living that life now that you've retired from your job. And, and then I'll share my thoughts as well on that one, Matt. It's an absolutely great question. And I think, you know, you and I have shared a lot of similarities in the past and that there's so much we want to do. And then the question is, well, how do you do it? Yeah, so I talked a little bit earlier about kind of time management and I think it's something that is that I'm just kind of a little bit better at than a lot of people I've noticed and some of it is so I was considering I used to do um, my podcast episodes I used to do interviews once a week and I got kind of burnt out doing that and so I went to every other week for a couple of years and then I decided you know what I think I want to go back to every week help the algorithm grow my podcast a little more things like that and so something that I did Matt and this is a very tactical example but I'm thinking maybe it'll help is I recorded as if I was going to post every week for like two months and I was like worst case scenario I'll end up with a backlog of podcasts I'll have a couple months of recording off things like that and I found that I was able to do it pretty easily and so because of that, I've now decided to go ahead and unleash those those back episodes once a week for the next two months instead of the next four or five or six or whatever. And then I'm going to continue to keep that up. So for me, it was kind of like I trialed it a little bit before I actually did it. And I've been talking about um, starting a YouTube channel for a while. But I wanted to, but I knew also I was going to change jobs. So what did I do? I got into my new job, wanted to see how demanding it was, found out I'm still going to be able to have some flexibility with my time. So now I'm doing that. So for me, it's kind of like I almost look at my week and I think, okay, how much time is this new thing going to take? And where will I put those two hours or whatever? Where am I going to stick that time? And when you start getting into content creation and we're talking about consistency, you know, I can take a week off of work, right? But when it comes to content creation, what I do is I'll plan stuff out ahead of time and I don't take that week off. Like there would not be a very obvious from the outside, it would not be obvious to other people that I was taking that week off because you've got to kind of double down. So you almost have to have this room for error too, where you're like, okay, if I'm going to, you mentioned add a podcast, so that's why I'm kind of using this example. If I'm going to add a podcast, I need two hours a week. I need an hour a week to research my guest. Maybe I need three hours, hour a week to research search my guest, hour to record, hour to edit. Again, this is kind of being generous, right? So I need those three hours every single week, but there'll be some weeks where I need six to schedule something the following week for like when I'm going to be out of town or something too. So you need wiggle room as well. And I think I'm rambling a little bit, but I hope that example kind of helps where you kind of trial things first. 
Clint, you want to go? Yeah, or Tom? I love that. Oh, go ahead, Matt. I was just going to say, yeah, I was just going to say that's super relevant because I find myself right now, I'm in the middle because one thing I do right now is I write every day and I publish every day. Just a short, like, one-minute insight, and that's just something I share with the world because it's something that uh, I do to help myself but then also help others. I just kind of reflect on the day. I think about things that are happening in my life, and I try to digest it into just something that could be shared. And then I, I put it out for anyone that is on a similar path. And so what I'm thinking is about doing exactly what you were talking about, Lauren, right? So I, I love writing. I've been writing for so long. I'm thinking about doing video content. But just like you said, um, I don't want this to turn into a thing that almost like shiny object syndrome, right? Where I'm like, oh, I want to do videos because, you know, that's something that's going to hit. And then, oh, I want to do this. And now I want to do that. And I want to do, I don't want to, you know, take on more tasks than I can handle essentially, right? So I guess, yeah, that's exactly kind of what I started doing. And it's funny you said that, Lauren, because I started recording a couple short form videos. I'm looking more towards like the Instagram TikTok route rather than going to YouTube right away. And so I was thinking about doing that. And um, so I was recording short form content. And so I've recorded like five short form videos thinking about doing something with it. But um, I think that that's exactly what I'm going to be spending my time doing is figuring out if I can keep a a schedule with it. Because like coach said, you know, without the consistency behind it, it's not going to be worth the effort. So um, so yeah, that's super helpful, Lauren. Thank you. I'll jump in and then, uh, and then I knew I see you have your hand up and I didn't know if it was to comment on, on this or, uh, you had your own. So we'll go to you, uh, right after I, I provide Matt, my thinking on it and how I approach it. Okay. And Matt, the, I think the really important thing to do is be aware of shiny object syndrome, right? Because uh, knowing your personality and, and how it might be comparable in some ways to mine, um, I would always ask yourself, is this shiny object syndrome? And for me, balance is an interesting question because I definitely don't have balance. I, and this goes back to what I was saying about that blue collar work ethic is, you know, growing up lower middle class, the one thing my dad did was just really, really enforce in me and I thought my siblings, but maybe less so as we grow older, uh, a work ethic, right? Like the man just worked hard and no matter what it was, right? Like any house we ever had, the work on the, and we moved every 18 months, like the work on the yard, the work in the house on building it, it was all us. It was all him with us as his laborers. And so just learned from very young to always work hard and always put in the hours, the weekends, the evenings, like it, there was never time off. And so there's a few things on my end that allow me to achieve, um, what I feel like are moderate levels of success in what I do. Number one, I have a partner who is unbelievably supportive. So nothing I do can be done without her. And that's why whenever I talk about Twitter and I say, you know, or the podcast and I say, this are the, these are the number of downloads we get, or we'll have you on the pursuit of learning podcast, or this is the growth we had this weekend. We had this weekend on Twitter. I've had some people say, like, you always say we. And I say, well, yeah, because I can't achieve any of this without my family. Like, if my kids aren't on board with me writing or me doing a podcast episode or my wife isn't, then there's no way this would all work. So having, you know, if you're in a relationship, if you're in a situation like that, 
making sure you have that support. And then if you do, I mean, for me, there, there is no balance. Like I work a, a reasonably demanding job as a CFO and then at night and in the morning before I go to work, I am reading or I'm writing or I'm uh, doing something related to Twitter or the podcast. Basically from 5.30 in the morning till midnight. And that's uh, Monday to Friday and then Saturday and Sunday, there's probably at least six hours a day each day going into those pursuits. But what I do is I don't pursue other things, right? You mentioned TikTok, you mentioned YouTube. There's people that reach out in the DMs and say, hey, like, do you want me to help you grow on these platforms? And the answer is yes. And I know that if I spend one minute trying to do that, that's one minute not doing what really matters. Someone once told me you can only be good at two and a half things. And when you internalize that, it really helps you focus on what matters. And so for me, that focus is Twitter, my podcast, work, and my family. And already that's four things, right? So already I'm stretching and, and you know, you'll, you'll add physical fitness, mental fitness, and there's ways to kind of hack it, you know, you know, the habit stacking and doing it so that like I'm walking the dog and doing Twitter at the same time. And then I'm jumping in a sauna to burn some calories and get a sweat on while meditating. Right. So in that two hours in the morning, I've done four things. So it's like there's ways to do that. But at the end of the day, you figure out what you really want. And then you go after it. Right. Like if you really want to be a writer. If you really want to write the book, then write the book. Everything else is a no. Whatever the yes is, that has to happen. And, and for, for Lauren, that one of those things is her podcast. For Tom, it's buying more doors. The man is relentless. Like he's always buying doors. Like Tom, I think you were at like probably 14 or 15 when we started a year ago. Now you're at 19, right? And you probably have a couple on that you're looking at. I have so one closing next week. There you, so you're going to be at 20, brother? I'll be at 20. Yeah, 20 at the end of next week. Oh, I love it. Oh, I'm so happy for you. It's incredible. The Like, Matt, whatever those two things are, those three things, like, you can have other things on the go, but pick the one and go hard at them, even harder than you are, because that's the only way you're going to succeed at them. It'd be great to go over to YouTube and go over to Insta and go over to TikTok but if you achieved what you want on Twitter to so figure out what you want and then achieve that. So that's what I'd say. And new, you had your hand up and then it, uh, it's Sheila's after you. Uh, and then if anyone else wants to throw your hand up, come on up, tell us what your definition of success is. Some of the mindset ideas that you have to achieve it, fire questions at us and share the room. Let's get more people in, get good questions, have a good convo. We have 30 minutes left Anu, over to you. Hi, guys. Um, I think success is being able to do your best every day in, what, in regards to whatever your mind, you set your mind to. Um, I had a quick question about how to manage expectations, like your expectations and other people's expectations, whether it's like in, pers in your personal life or like your work life and like figuring out, how, figuring out how that all fits into like living a balanced lifestyle. 
managing expectations. God, I sound like a broken record. It, you know, for me, for me, I'm just like, I'm a consistent person. So um, people are going to expect that when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it on time. Right. So I just, that makes it really easy to manage people's expectations. If you're, if you're kind of consistent over time Um, in, in some ways too, it's this idea of almost having a relationship with your future self as well. And, and, And what I mean by that is your future self as in you next week and you the week after that, and really knowing yourself and understanding should I, what pace can I comfortably go at? And for me, I could not, at first, I don't think I can stay up till midnight, period, but I certainly can't do it every day. And I don't remember last time I woke up at 5.30 like Clint, right? Literally can't do either one of those things. And I need nine hours of sleep, right? So for me, it's, if you know yourself, then I think you also don't overcommit to things in the short term. And then you kind of are able to kind of balance things out and be consistent with things and meet expectations of people because you kind of always are the way you have been. Don't overcommit. Don't be like, you know what, in two weeks, in three weeks, in six weeks, I'm going to feel like doing X, Y, Z thing when you probably aren't. And so some of that is I'm a little bit um, time pessimistic. Um, I always tell my husband he's time optimistic. He thinks things are going to take less time than they are. And he thinks he's going to be able to do more, I think, than he's actually going to feel like doing at the time. So some of that for me is is knowing myself, knowing, and I can look back, right? I have a pretty good memory, which is something that's really, really helpful in life. But I can look back at, you know, when when there's been a similar situation, how did I feel? How did I think? How did I act? And then... I'm able to really put boundaries on myself and boundaries on my time and just be kind of consistent as I always am. And that's like what I said when I was talking about the to-do lists, right? I create a to-do list that can be done in a Monday, like for the week, Monday through Thursday. If then I am wrong, I'm a little bit off on how long things will take, or I don't feel like doing as much on Tuesday as I thought I would, I still have that kind of flexible day on Friday. So for me, it's a little bit um, being time pessimistic, assuming things are going to take longer than I think, and then kind of always having that philosophy. And then it makes it kind of easier to kind of meet expectations of others. I don't know if that's helpful or not. That is helpful. I think it's more looking at expectations from the other person's perspective or other people's, just not your own. So it's like a perspective thing. Yeah, so Anu, I I had someone on the podcast back on episode 22, my God, that was a while ago. And he wrote a book called What You Get When You Have Expectations. And it was a great conversation because one of the one of the realizations and it's pretty enlightening is that often our displeasure or when we're upset, it's because of expectations, either our own or someone else's, right? And, and one of the one of the concepts that he talked about and that I think is very important is making sure that any expectations you have or someone else has that they're actually voiced. And understood because one of the biggest challenges is unknown expectations right so my wife may have expectations of what you know oh I expected when I came home that you would have taken out the garbage well I didn't know you expected me to take out the garbage right? I can't read your mind and so making sure that 
if, if you think people have expectations of you, have that conversation to understand what they are and get them on the page and, and then make sure you're both on the same page. And if you agree with that expectation, then it's less an expectation now, it's an agreement. And when we have agreements, we're less likely to have issues, right? If, if I expect my kids to do something, but I haven't told them, how can I get upset with them if they don't do it? And if I have told them that they haven't agreed to it, then it's a demand, right? So it's just like, like we're being pedantic with language here, but in that pedanticism is where you move from an expectation to a demand to an agreement. And it's when we get to the agreement that we're in a better spot. Does that, does that help a little? Yeah, that makes, that does help a lot. I, I'm glad you're breaking it down so it's easier to understand. Thank you. Thank you. And Sheila's, you were up next. And then Lauren, we have a couple more people. I don't know if, if you're vetting slash who you're bringing up, but we have Sheila's next. Hi, Clint. Um, hi, Lauren. Thank you for allowing me to speak. Um, hello, everyone. And so I just wanted to chime in on some of the things that you guys were talking about. And I also have a question at the end. Um, so what I've learned about expectations and um, that really helped me a lot is not to have any. It's just that to answer to things in the moment, right? Um, I've learned that not everyone thinks like me, not everyone acts like me. And I'm going to give you an example, like at work. I would expect like, you know, when you enter a room, based on your upbringing, we have certain ways of doing things. And we just assume that everyone is on the same page. And oftentimes they're not. According to our upbringing and what we're used to, people are just different, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. And oftentimes we expect them to act the way we act. So if I'm used to clean the dishes after I eat, I expect my husband to do the same, but we didn't have the same upbringing. Maybe they wash the dishes before they go to bed, right? And so by not having expectations at all of people, expect them to do things a certain way, it's actually better to deal with things in the moment as they come up, right? And so if something is happening, and let's just say I would rather for him to wash the dishes after because, you know, we live in an apartment in New York City. And so... um these little rodents they're like everywhere and so I'm never used to having those in my house and so for us my mom raised us to keep a tidy clean house super clean house and so if I had the expectations which I used to when I just got started got married and that used to cause like conflict between us it's just like why aren't you doing this like it's common sense right but what's common sense for me is not common sense for someone else and so I have learned, right, through experiences and, you know, failures. And um, it's better to deal with things in the moment, to be like, hey, you know, I would rather if you wash the dishes after we eat. And this is why I don't like to see in the sink. These are my reasons, right? And then deal and have that conversation in the moment. So I think not having expectations actually free us from also holding things in. You know how sometimes you're like, oh, this person's not doing so and so. And we just assume that they're not doing it for the reason that we think they're not doing it. And it's, it could be completely wrong. We can be completely wrong about assuming that. And so I think dealing with things and like 
as they happen and occur and ask questions like, why did you do that? Because if it was me, I would do it this way. Now, as far as the, um, I just wanted to answer really quickly about, I can't remember who asked the question about meditation. Um, I've been meditating constantly now, consistently for two years. And the reason I was able to do so is I started small. You know, I started small. I started doing five minutes. Um, usually for me, doing something mediocre first and then ev will evolve and become a habit. So I would do five minutes, you know, just sit there for five minutes and it was super easy, right? And so once I noticed I could do five minutes, I would do for 15 minutes. And once, you know, after like an increment of three months and then I would say, okay, I'm going to do half an hour and I'm going to stick with that for like two years until I become a pro at it. So I think sometimes starting really small, taking bite size and sticking to that and then constantly add to it works well. I also have a podcast. And so the way I did that as well was I would schedule like an hour on Sunday morning to just do the podcast. You know, I would try it out. I didn't even post it, make it public. I would just keep it private. And so for a while, I just wake up every Sunday morning and I would sit by my window and I would talk for half an hour and I would listen to myself and see if I like what was said. And I think I did that maybe five times until I had the courage to put it, um, to publish it, right? And once I did, it was just this fire. It's just like, okay, I got this. So I think sometimes start, starting small and setting those habits and building on those habits um, can result to like, can have um, bigger result. And also with meditation, I have a group, like a group of friends, and we all meditate. And I think having a community of people to support you, um, to help you keep going also helps. So I just want to put it out there. If anyone want to start a podcast or do YouTube videos, I do have a little bit of knowledge. And so if you DM me and I can answer some question, I'll be glad to do so. Now, my question for you is, I've started some things like my podcast and it has not succeeded. And I feel a little bum about it. And I really love talking to people. That's why I came to Twitter when I heard Twitter spaces were available, because that's something I think I'm really great at. And so when the podcast did not take off, it really bummed me out. And so I just want to know, when you start something that you love, it's not working out. Oftentimes they say, you know, try something different. How do you respond to something that you love doing that's not succeeding? How would you handle that? And what would you recommend? Because that's where I'm at right now. Thank you. Love everything you just said there, Sheila's, you know, um, kind of managing your own expectations of other people. And then starting small, you know, with the meditation so that you can grow those habits into bigger habits. And then, of course, having a community totally on board with that. That's that's why we do this every Wednesday. So and to some extent with your podcast, I think you are succeeding if you like it and it's making you happy. Um, if you enjoy doing it, that's how I that's how adulting is easy has been for me. And I, I used to say that to my husband, you know. So, well, what, what's your end goal with this? And I was like, you know, I don't really know, but I like doing it. 
I like the people I'm meeting. I like talking. And I just build a little bit incrementally, right? Every year I add a couple of new goals to adulting is easy, right? Like, so this week um, I finally put, um, people have been asking me to do coaching sessions and mentoring sessions. So I finally, because Tom was pushing me, there's part of that community and having a mentor that we talked about already. Tom's been pushing me to add coaching and I finally added that to my website today, right? And so something that started as a blog and then I've added this podcast to it, um, I eventually did create like a gum road to share some of my real estate knowledge with people. I'm, I'm putting my podcast on YouTube. I'm actually, you know, doing some conversions as we're talking and then got the coaching up and running. So some of it is just like it, it started as one thing and I just um, it's gone into kind of other areas. And I'm still loving it and I'm still passionate about it. Um, but also it's still making me happy. So to some extent, like so let's say my sponsor drops my podcast and I can't get anybody else to to, you know, Put, put another ad on there but I'm loving the guests that I'm meeting and I'm learning from them every day and other people are listening and they're learning to some extent that in and of itself is successful um in terms of like what you can like tactically do for a podcast um I would join a community I would join a community of podcasters that's something that I did I was talking about it earlier I joined the Florida Podcasters Association so in person the second Tuesday of every month I go and I talk with other podcasters and they've given me some great ideas for like maybe I should get some ads or things that I can do to try to get some PR for the real estate but maybe kind of plug the podcast you know in one way or another as well um so that's that's just something that I would say if you're if you're having fun with it I mean you know, I, I think probably to some extent it is successful. Clint, go ahead. Yeah, I think it, this ties to mo what most of our conversation has been so far tonight is you define your definition of success, right? And when you think of a podcast, it's easy to say my podcast isn't successful, right? The, I mean, by all objective measures, my podcast wasn't or it's still not even successful, right? But whose objective measures are they? By my measures, I'm like, yay, my podcast rocks. And and I, I don't ever say that, nor in that voice. But the it depends on what you come back to, Sheila, right? So if I look at, Lauren, how many episodes are you in on yours? 116, including the spaces that I, that we record. Yeah, so Lauren's at 116. I'm at 52. You know, my my first year was almost 10,000 downloads on the dot. And in the second year, I'll probably do 10,000 in three and a half months. And I expect then that'll become three months then two months, then one month. And the question is, when do I think it's successful, right? If I look at Twitter, my growth was very slow to start with. I had no idea what I was doing. And then I took some courses and I learned how to, how to have a better profile and a better bio. And I started helping people with that. And then I took more courses and I learned how to become a better writer. And then I started writing every single day and I started writing threads and over the last hundred and 
120 or 130 days, I've probably ridden 120 threads. Like I think I've had 10 days where I didn't. And so you, it may seem like the growth over that four months was super fast. But what you'd be ignoring, Sheila, is the eight months where it wasn't. And I think, Lauren, you'll, you're on the same page as me. Is This ties to what you said, Lauren. It ties to your consistency. It ties to the long term. I have said for my podcast, I'm not going to ex assess whether I'm successful or not until episode 100. And that take that I only do a certain number of years uh, per per month, so that's going to take two years. And at the end of two years, then I'll understand whether I've been successful or not. And so you were right. I absolutely agree with you. Everything you do start small. The next thing I say is keep doing it. Be consistent. Go the full distance, and don't assess success in the short term because like I said earlier on the show it goes slow until it goes fast so you may feel like the podcast isn't working right now but in a year if you put an episode out every week or every two weeks and you're consistent and you're learning to get better and you're engaging with your guests better and you're becoming a better speaker and you're looking at what episodes worked and what didn't and improving and you're figuring out how to get your message out there because recording is one thing, but getting your message out there, that's a whole other thing, right? So you have to have avenues to get it out. The, so, you know, that's a really long answer to you, but uh, I, I think the gist of it is don't assess failure too early continue to push yourself to get better and to get the content out there. And in the fullness of time, you'll understand whether you're successful or not. And I, and I think a lot of people, what they neglect with podcasting, and I realized this writing a book with my sister, we finished the book. We thought we are God, we are authors. And, and I guess technically we are, but in, until you get someone to publish that gosh darn book, <laughs> You're, you're, you're just like everybody else. You're an, un right? you're cracking me up. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely. it's true. Like it's such a frustration because to eat, then you realize like, Oh, I want to get published. Oh, I need an agent first. Cause no one really takes manuscripts anymore. Oh, okay. Well, what do I need, need to do to get an agent? And it's as much work as it is to write the book. And you're like, Holy crow. And, and a podcast is the same way. That's why I came on Twitter was to promote my podcast. And as I've grown on Twitter, the podcast has grown. They tie together. So, so think about how all that works. How are you recording? How consistently? How are you publishing? How are you promoting? And if the whole thing is working well together, give it a period of time and then define success. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Now, now I know um, what to do. So thank you. That was awesome advice because I was really feeling like stuck and about to give up on something that I really love. And, you know, because oftentimes you hear if it's not working, then that's the universe sign telling you this is not for you. Maybe you should look for another avenue. 
And so I was just like, maybe I should put it down and look into some of my other talent and see how I can, you know, talk and, um, and do that on some other platform. And so I wasn't sure if I should let it go or not. So thank you so much. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep going. That's what I'll do. Thank you. Yeah. I always say to people, go, go look at, go look at Lewis Howe's School of Greatness, right? He, he's, he's published 1200 something podcasts and he interviews some of the biggest names in the world. He interviews Tony Robbins on Tony Robbins jet, right? And go look at his first hundred, right? You get, you got to use the mouse wheel to really scroll down to get to his first hundred episodes. And when you do, a few things are going to stick out to you. The guests weren't very big and he wasn't very good as an interviewer. Right. And I'm not saying that to, 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 to disparage him. I'm just saying who he is today on episode 1292 is not the same person he was on episode one, five, 25, 40, 60, 80. But by the time he got to 100, the curve of his guests and the growth in him as an interviewer and as a speaker and as a host, dramatically different person, exponentially different results. And now, now this is what he does for a living. The School of Greatness, Lewis Howes, give it a check, go back and, and check the first 100 episodes. I think there are a couple bigger names in there, but I don't know if they were big names when he was recording with them because he's one of those people who's been doing this for, you know, uh, over a decade. Yeah, something I'll add to, and then we'll we'll hear from Shoran there. Um, thank you, Shoran, for your patience. Is I'm like a big believer in momentum too and just kind of like it's so cliche but like an object in motion tends to stay in motion right so if i keep learning keep executing keep moving forward then good things will happen i really believe that and then something tactically that i just did around episode 100 i went back to kind of like my favorite um interviews which would include the ones with like tom and clint and our other co-host steven who's on vacation tonight and some others and i went back and i i re-edited about 15 of them and i was like let me make these better in case i get um an ad or a sponsor that wants to go kind of backwards rather than just forwards and also so that's kind of my reasoning for doing that also I have gotten better at two things. One, interviewing. And two, I've also gotten a lot better at editing as well. So that was something, too. Going back, I was able to sort of look at myself and evaluate myself. And I've made some changes going forward in, in how I edit and also how I interview. So that's something that, I don't know, it can be kind of hard to listen to yourself all the time. I'm getting used to it now. But that was something where I kind of like graded myself and revisited my older work. But definitely, I would say... I'm a lot better at 100 than I was at, at even 50, for sure. Okay, Shoran, thank you again for your patience. What's up? Uh, hello, everyone. Thank you very much, Clint and uh, Lauren, for inviting me to speak. Hope I'm audible. So, success to me is just like 
me personally because I think success mindset is personal. It's for me looking back and seeing that the goals that I set, I accomplish it. That's success to me. Uh, and I think that uh, when it comes to success mindset, it takes the grace because not everybody can personally look at himself and say, okay, I'm going to divide my own success in my own way. So it's kind of like when someone just sit down and structure yourself that, okay, let me learn all this stuff of a thing. Let me learn one or two things. And seeing beyond the present, then when someone make that decision, I think maybe given that thing that you make decision upon to learn, when it gets to like maybe four months or six months, then you are going to see yourself that you are no more in that uh, past position that you are. So that's success to me, like setting your goals and meeting your target. So it's a success to me and also happiness. So then I have a question. So my question is, how do you deal with uh, rejection? When someone is being rejected, does it mean that he's not good at what he's doing? And how do you deal with that? Thank you very much for giving me the chance to speak. Can you can you give us an example when you say how do you deal with rejection? Can you give us, you know, obviously like there could be rejection of I mm. reached out to an agent to get published and they said no, or it could be dating, like, you know. Uh, okay, just maybe rejection based on you, what you are professional at. Like maybe you, you are a full-stack web developer, as I, I am, I'm a full-stack web developer, so applying for some roles and being rejected on that, and not that maybe someone is not good at it. I'll, I'll go first, Clint, and then I think you definitely have a good answer for this one, I, I would guess. But um, I'm in sales. I've been in sales since 2014, and part of sales... And, and sales can be professionally like what I do, business to business sales, but you're pretty much selling at least yourself all the time, right? No matter who you are. But I look at it this way where sales is a numbers game and I have a quota of yeses and I have a quota of nos as well. Um, and you can look at it. We talk about it, you know, you think about baseball players, right? If you're nowadays, if they're on the bag one out of every four times, if they get to first base or if they get on base or hit a home run one out of every four times, they're successful, right? And sales is like that too. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe I do 10 initial discovery calls and I get two sales out of that, right? That means there's eight no's that I have to get to and every no brings me closer to yes. So that's how I look at it a little bit. You have kind of, I, I see it as in life. I have have a quota of both yeses and nos but go on Clint. yeah i mean you nailed it there's so many different ways we can answer this question and so many different thoughts that i have on it right and you nailed it i mean if you reframe reframe rejection or almost shoron reframe failure to lesson right like what did you learn from it how's it going to make you better for the next time and so if you, look at, if you look at rejection, 
there it's almost as well it's the same as it's the same as rejection is constructive criticism right so you you you're you're going to want to find out well why did i get rejected why did i lose out on that contract and uh this person won it and he or she isn't i don't think as good as me so the first question is to ask why right and and sometimes you can reach out to the person you bid and say, hey, you know, I'm just interested in understanding why you went with the person you did and, and what I could have done differently. Because sometimes there's there's very important things to think. One of them is to realize that 80 to 90% of the time it, it's not about you and that 10% of the time that it is about you, you get to do a little bit of an exercise. And, and I've been telling this to my two boys. They're 11 and they're, they're 14 and I try to prepare them for life with stuff like this, right, is when you get rejected or you get criticized, you 90% of the time it's about the person who's criticizing you. It's something, something subconsciously with them. It has nothing to do with you. They're just projecting onto you. So that's fine. But when it is about you, you have a couple choices. You should examine the rejection, the criticism, the failure right? Ask them why you got rejected. They give you your reason. Examine it. And there's two things that are going to happen. One, it's real, right? What they've said to you, the constructive feedback, the rejection, the reason, it's right. They're right. And you have two choices. You can accept that they're right and you can make a change. Or you can choose that they're right, but you're not going to change. So that's on you. The other second situation where it's where where you've been rejected and it it is about you is their assumption is wrong. And in that case, you can just ignore it, right? They can continue to operate under a misapprehension. You don't have to correct it. But imagine if if you bid on a job and I got it. And you were so upset because you were like, that Clint guy, he sucks at full stack development. He doesn't know his ass from his elbow, right? Why did he get the job? Oh, these people are idiots. And you're like freaking out about it. And then you call Lauren, who was the person who, was, who, who did the RFP. And you're like, hey, like, why did you handle, you know, why did you hire that moron? And you find out that, like I'm new at what I'm doing and I offered to do it for free and Lauren's cost conscious and you charge reasonable fair rates for your work because you're an expert. Like there's no way you could have combated that. You weren't going to do the work for free. You just had a moron like me come in and say, Hey, I'll do the work because I have less experience than he does. I acknowledge he's better than me. So I'll do it for free. And you've probably been beating yourself up at that rejection when in reality you weren't rejected. They just accepted my free work. So I think you have to get to the root of the rejection. Then you have to understand, is the rejection right? Is it fair? Is it reasonable? If it is, are you going to learn from it and grow so you don't have that same thing happen again? Or is it wrong and you're going to ignore it? Because the last thing you want to do is it's wrong right? They've made the wrong hiring decision and, and you're going to want to, you're going to waste your time like venting and trying to change their mind. 
I mean, if they if they've they made the mistake, as 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 my dad always said to me growing up, you know, he wasn't always the uh, uh, the right way to teach your kids, but he just taught me when I was young, f them, right? And at the end of the day, sometimes people are going to do wrong by you, and in that situation, f it, just move on, live life. And uh, that was did that help? Was that beneficial for you? Thank you very much. Really helps. Okay, and and Sheila, you wanted to chime in on that one, and and then after that, we're going to wrap it up tonight. Yeah, I just wanted to add um, that I took um, a course on that, and what I've learned about when you're applying for work, which is something that's really frustrating in the first place, if we're going to be honest is that oftentimes employers don't even see your resume because especially if you're applying to a company that's popular, like something like a Google, where there's like millions of applicants, they may never get to your application. And um, so basically they're just scrolling through application and whatever pops up to them, they just grab that. And so when you're just starting out and you want a job, because I went to a training, they advise you to go with smaller companies, um, to go through friends and to go um, to, you know, word of mouth and put it out there to your family and see who can help you because you have a better chance at getting hired that way, especially when you're starting out and you don't have much experience. And another thing that they were saying is to go to like um, an employment agency that basically hires just that specific um, skill set that you have. And so basically like um, an office team out here in New York City is what we have. And so their their main focus is, is um, doing um, receptionists and things like that. And so you'd go to them and they'll test you and they look for work for you. So that route is actually easier. So I know when it comes to developers and IT work, it's better to go with an to go with a company with with a staffing agency that actually employs people because they also offer classes for you to help you where where you are lacking experiences at and they actually fit you into the right employer so you can get the experience that you need. So I hope that's helpful. Uh, thank you, Shilas. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. That was a blast. Thank you very much, Sheila, for that answer. And thank you, everyone, for joining us on Wealth Wealth Wednesday tonight. Uh, We will be back next week because we're here every week. Like Lauren said, we are creatures of consistency. And always we have open mic at some point, so we want you to jump up and join us. We talked about success, what success looks like to us. And we talked about different mindsets that we have used in our lives to achieve it. Some of the things that jumped out for me, set goals, be consistent, live your life by design, not by default, be radically responsible for ownership of your own life, learn to turn what other people see as trash into treasure, have an abundant mindset. And also just have a work ethic. If you want something, go get it. So those are some of the highlights from the night. Uh, Sheila's nailed one of my favorites. You got to start small, right? People try to start too big and they stop. 
start small, be consistent, go for the long time and you will succeed. Lauren, Tom, anything you want to add before we press the audios button? No, that was perfect. Right, I just thank want you, everyone. I, oh, I just oh. want to say, Clint, real quick, every week when you share and when we do these, I learn something new and it changes my mindset. So it's awesome. And it doesn't even have to be this topic. I learn something new every single Wednesday. And that's why I enjoy being here so much. Love you, brother. Thank you. I appreciate that.